Good morning. The reading this morning is taken from 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 1 to 19. And it can be found on, um, in your Bibles, if you've got them behind your chairs, on page 310, 310. So it's 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 to 19. After the king was settled in his palace... And the Lord had given him his rest from all his enemies around him. He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one who built me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved... With all the Israelites, did you ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed." Wicked people shall not oppress them any more as they did in the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord himself declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever. Before me, your throne shall be established forever." Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, 
Who am I, Sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, Sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, great. Thank you, Helen. Uh, another part uh, of this story of David, and we're thinking about this passage where he seeks to build a house for God. And we're thinking about this today, and I want to start here The Very Hungry Caterpillar. It's a children's book that you might have come across. Our children had it. I think it's still popular today. And it talks about a caterpillar with an enormous appetite. It eats a lot. It starts with an apple and then two pears, three plums, four strawberries, five oranges, and then almost the entire contents of an aisle in a supermarket. It's hungry and it just goes on eating and eating and eating. And why start here on a Vision Sunday? Because David was hungry for the glory of God. David was hungry for God's glory. He had an appetite. He wanted to see God's glory made real amongst his people. That's why he wanted to build a house for the Lord. And what we want to say on this Vision Sunday is that we need to be a people who have that same hunger, a hunger for glory, for the glory of God. Not for our glory, but for the glory of God, to make Jesus the heart of South Sea. Because the caterpillar refuses to be satisfied, he gets bigger and bigger until he goes into a cocoon and then he emerges as a gorgeous butterfly. If we have a hunger for God, we can build something that is so beautiful it will take away the breath of this world. David's hunger for God led him to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, this new city that had been captured from the Jebusites, this city that was going to be the new capital for Israel, a city without a history. Nobody had lived there before in the life of the people of Israel from Israel. So this was a new start, a clean slate. David is making the city of David so that they can bring God's glory to the middle of the presence of the people of God. And so David says to himself, when he finds peace and rest from his enemies, why not build a temple for God in the middle of this city? David has been living with the Philistines and the Philistines had great big temples down in Gath, where they worship their gods. And David thinks, this is a great idea, a focus, a center for the worship of God. It's a big decision. And he takes this decision to Nathan, who is the high priest and he's the representative of God. In previous times, David's made decisions when he didn't consult God. He decided to go and fight with the Philistines without asking God. And that ended in the despair and destruction that we thought about a few weeks ago when all of his family and friends were carried off by raiders. David didn't consult God when he put the ark on a cart 
instead of carrying it on poles as the people, the Levites, were meant to do. And so Uzzah reaches out his hand and is killed. Now David consults God. And he goes to Nathan and he said, is this a good idea? Should I build a house for God? And at first Nathan says, yes. But then God speaks to Nathan. David goes and says, let's build a house for God. And God says, no. You will not build my house. You will not do this. God says, no. And we learn why God says no in 1 Chronicles 28. There we hear David, who's come to terms with this refusal, speak to the people of Israel. David says, listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark, the ark of the covenant for the footstool of our God. And I made plans to build it, but God said to me, You are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and you have shed blood. David has blood on his hands and God said, you're not the one to build my house. I had it in my heart to build a place, but God said, no, because you are a warrior and you have shed blood. As we look at this reply from Nathan, there's a five-fold focus. So we're just going to go through these five ways that Nathan frames this response from God. And it is a big no, but there's also lots of good news in this reply from God. First, God asks, where does this desire come from? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? It may be a good plan, but it's not my plan. God's plans are always the best plans. That's what David needs to see. Despite his hunger for God's and his hunger for God's glory, David has to accept that this is not going to happen through him. The second focus is that David has been chosen, blessed by God. God reminds him that he's taken him from tending a flock to being a king amongst his people. All through that journey, God has been with him. God's the one who is in charge. And God will make David's name great. And he will, through him, provide a place for his people. So the third thing is that God will bless David's offspring. And raise up one who will establish his kingdom. It will be a son of David who builds the house for the Lord. And this promise becomes a reality in the reign of Solomon a time of great success and prosperity for the people of God. And it's recognized in Psalm 127 that we started with this morning. Lots of the Psalms are Psalms of David, aren't they? Psalm 127 is a Psalm of Solomon. And Solomon starts that Psalm, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Solomon sees that it's because God is with him that he can build his house. This promise comes true in Solomon's life. But then God goes on and he says that there will be a time of discipline for David's offspring. There will be times when they will be punished and have consequences for their actions. This is not a right without responsibilities. The house of David must follow 
God's ways. And fifth, and most perhaps important for us, there is an eternal aspect to this promise. It points forward to an everlasting kingdom and an everlasting king. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Your throne shall be established forever. David's descendants will always and forever have a particular significance in the kingdom of God. Even when the Jerusalem, uh, when the great temple in Jerusalem is destroyed by Babylon and the nation are taken away into exile, this promise still holds good. So while the people are in exile, Jeremiah says these words, God says these words through Jeremiah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. And he will do what is right and, and just in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, by which he will be called, the Lord our righteous saviour. For this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of Israel. And we now know how that promise came to pass, don't we? Because Jesus is the King of Kings. Jesus sits on the throne. He reigns forever. Jesus is the one who fulfills this promise. Remember, Jesus is hailed by the beggar Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, sitting outside of, uh, of Jericho, calls out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus is the son of David. God does not fail to keep his promise. David's dynasty is an enduring one. And so this whole passage is a play on, two, uh, uh, on the word houses. And it works both in Hebrew and in English. There's the same sense in both, that there are these two houses that can be built. A physical one or one that's about lineage and descendants and how that passes down through generations. David wants to build something physical of wood and stone, something that's filled with bronze and silver and gold. He wants to make something spectacular, a house that will bring glory to God's name. But God wants to build a different house. He wants to build a dynasty that will last, not just for some time, but for all time. In the end, which is the most significant the physical temple that Solomon will build is destroyed in 300 years when the Babylonians come and take the people of God away into exile. That temple is destroyed, but the king of kings reigns forever. God says no, and David has the humility to accept this. David says to God, who am I that you should make this promise to me, a mere human, that my house my offspring should be part of an everlasting kingdom. David sees that this is a bigger promise that God has made to him than the promise he tries to make to God. When there's a choice between buildings and people, God is always going to choose the people. The people are the most important thing to God. Do you remember when Jesus left Jerusalem towards the end of his time on earth, the disciples pointed to the temple that Herod had built 
in the time of Jesus. And they said to him, look at this magnificent building. Some of the stones in Herod's temple weighed 20 tons and they brought all these stones to Jerusalem and put them together to build a new temple. And Jesus says, that's not where God's glory is. In just a little while, this temple will be destroyed and all of the stones will be thrown down. And in 40 years after Jesus' death, in 70 AD, the Jewish people rebel against the Romans and the Romans come and make a siege around Jerusalem and they throw down every stone of that temple because the temple set on fire and the gold in the temple runs down between the stones. So they lever the stones apart and throw them down to reach the gold that's underneath the stones. That building doesn't last. Buildings don't. But the people of God are still here. The people of God are still praising his name. The people of God are still praying for his help. The people of God are still sharing his love in this world. It's good to show God that we value him through building churches that bring people into his presence. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a church building here. But so much better to build a temple out of living stones. Being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. That's what Peter wrote to the early church. That's what the early church sought to do. To make a temple of living stones, a people of God who changed the world. What we see here is that when God says no... He's always got something better up his sleeve or does God have sleeves? I'm not sure he does. But God has always something better to give us when he says no. In my experience, it's absolutely true that you cannot outgive God. He's always got something better to give to you, even when you give him of your very best. Our vision here is to build a people who are hungry to see the glory of God here in South Sea. This is why the vision of our church is making Jesus the heart of South Sea. St. Jude's church was originally built to give a heart to this community at a time when all the buildings were starting to form that make South Sea today what it is. There was no church in South Sea, so they built a church in the heart of South Sea to give it a heart, a place where people could come and worship. And very quickly, This place started to share God's love with the community around it. The people of this church built a school for the children who had no money to go to school. In those days, you had to pay to be in school, and the ordinary children couldn't afford that. So the people of this church built a school and paid for the teachers down in Marmion Road so that children could have an education. People of this church had a coal fund and a blanket fund to make sure that the People who couldn't afford to heat their homes could keep warm in the winter. Life doesn't change very much, does it? We're still trying to keep warm in the winter. And the people then had just the same issues to face and the church rose to meet those needs. The building has been a focal place for gathering people together. But much more important, it's been a place where people have learned to follow Jesus and lived out his mission here amongst our community. God is always working for the long-term success, not the short-term gains. And when it comes to bothering about buildings or making a people of God, God's always going to choose the people. 
So we go on doing that in his name. And this is our vision, making Jesus the heart of South Sea by growing faith, offering hope and sharing God's love. And at the heart of our vision is our desire to make a people who are hungry to see God's glory here. That means that we go on looking after this building, but more importantly, we want to build people who are disciples of Jesus. So we have a pathway into discipleship of uh, events that link people to church and then connect people to church, that give people a chance to encounter Jesus. And then on Sundays, we go on growing people through the teaching that we do here. But there are other stages that we want people to move on to, to follow Jesus. Our aim is to make disciples. And we want people to go on into this journey of becoming his disciples by joining our small groups, being part of those. And what we want to do is shake those up in January and there's going to be plenty of space for more people to join. So if you're not in a small group, come and be part of that. We want people to meet together in prayer triplets, in little friendship groups where people can be accountable and encourage one another. So we'll be encouraging people to get together and pray. Our definition of discipleship is being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing the things that Jesus did. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to make opportunities in our weeks, not just on a Sunday, to be with Jesus. At church, we make space so that there are times when you can meet with Jesus. We've got an Advent quiet morning coming up at the start of December. A Saturday morning, you could be out shopping or you could be here with Jesus. Come and be with Jesus. We want to make disciples. That's our aim here. And as part of what we're hoping to do next year is we want people to link up with spiritual directors. Adam has a spiritual director. I have a spiritual director. People on our staff team have spiritual directors. But why doesn't everyone want a spiritual director? Someone you can meet up with once a month or so to talk about your spiritual life, to talk about your journey with God. Someone who can ask you some difficult questions about where you're going, how you're making progress. We can all do with that help. And that help is available. We just need to link up to it. We want to make that happen. Because our aim is to make disciples. Because disciples who live like Jesus, who make him the heart of who they are, will show that he can be the heart of South Sea. We want to create something beautiful that will take away the breath of our world. The hungry caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly. That's what we want to become here. So will we be hungry for God's glory? Are we ready to commit our lives to following Jesus? Will we make available to him our time, our energy, our gifts and our talents, our resources and our finances? What's happening here is already beautiful in so many ways. As we support those on the margins, as we focus, uh, as we form a focus for people to gather together to connect with God. There's details of some of what we do in that leaflet, the giving leaflet, but there's so much more that we could have put in there. The growth of our little tiddlers where mums come for free with their toddlers and babies every Wednesday morning to meet together. The socials on Saturday, the youth come together 
to have fun together once a month or the high tide service for our young people that meets once a month. The men's ministry, curry nights and the code talks, the spirit in sport table tennis cafe on a Thursday, doubling the number of students who are involved in our intern programs, the Anna Chaplins who reach out to older generations, our Hope Cafe serving the Saturday shoppers, our dwell service that brings people together from other churches. That's just the stuff that we do here. And then there's people reaching out and having an impact in lots of different places, wherever they are during the week, in schools, in hospitals, in businesses, in retirement homes, at the Pompey Women's Football Club. There's lots of places where people are making an impact. But there's more, isn't there? There's more that God wants us to do because he's blessed us to be a blessing for our community. God wants us to build a house for him, a spiritual house, a house filled with living stones, a people of God, God's kingdom. Are we hungry for his glory? Are we ready to surrender all to him? And will we allow his beauty to be seen here amongst us? That's the question on this Vision Sunday.